0: Love, Talk Radio. Mayor Johnson, your special education super sauce, is celebrating Autism Awareness Month by giving away a new iPad with nine PCS apps, a copy of Boardmaker Studio, and several other prizes. Enter to win at mayorjohnson.com. That's mayor-johnson.com. And stay tuned for our special announcements later in today's show. I would like to just say that I am so honored to be hosting Autism Awareness Month um, 2012. We do it every year, and we bring you all views, opinions, and resources for autism parents and even for the educators. It's very important that they're aware of what the families are going through. Today we welcome Wendy Fournier, who is the president of the National Autism Association. And um, this is a great resource for parents. Um, It's You know, what I really love about it is it helps parents with real issues in real time. So please welcome Wendy Fournier. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on with you today,
0: Marianne. Oh, I'm glad we could finally get you on. I know it's been hectic (laughs) scheduling. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the autism community and uh, most importantly with National Autism Association.
1: Okay, sure. Um, I'm a mom of three children, and my youngest child, my daughter Allie, who is now 12 years old, uh, was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. And um, at that time, I was, um, you know, searching frantically for resources, and um, I ended up... Uh, meeting up with some moms who also had kids with autism that um, had a group called Moms on a Mission for Autism, and um, they were transitioning that group. um, They wanted to give it sort of a a bigger presence and decided to start the National Autism Association at that time. So I had uh, volunteered my time doing some web design work for them, which is what I used to do. And... um, have been with them ever since. So I've been um, basically with NAA since the beginning. I'm a founding board member and I've been serving as president for about the last five years or so. And um, we are an organization that was founded entirely by parents and is run by parents of children with autism. So we are very in tune with, um, you know, the most urgent needs of the community because we're living them every day.
0: Right. And, you know, that's so important. Because nobody can understand it unless they've lived it. Right. Um, You know, so, you know, that's what I love about it. And your mission um, is to respond, you know, I'll read it, is to respond to the most urgent needs of the autism community, providing real help and hope so that all affected can reach their full potential. Um, With greater numbers come greater need for services. And, um, you know, as parents, as this community that you've um, created, um, you're not just talking about early diagnosis. I mean, you help parents all the way through adulthood.
1: Yeah, well we're we're trying to address all of the issues. You know, this is um just so huge and when we first got started um you know 9 years ago with NAA the majority of the autism community and the people who were affected were children and still um that's estimated between 80 and 85% of the population that has autism is still under the age of 18. Um so we have this huge wave of people mm-hmm. with autism that are you know, getting to the point where they're going to be aging out of the school system and, and needing services and support as adults, and, you know, that is that is challenging, um, you know, for, for all of us. And what we're trying to do, um, you know, is, is start right at the beginning of the lifespan and when a child is first diagnosed with autism to make sure that families have access to all of the support services And, um, you know, medical care, uh, that actually plays a big role um, in helping these children to um, become as healthy as possible and, um, you know, to recover basically as as much as they possibly can um, before they reach adulthood. And then once they get there, um, you know, we're looking at how are we going to provide for all of these kids that are going to be aging out of that school system, and how are we going to get them employment and, you know, support. It's just um, sometimes I equate it to standing at the bottom of Mount Everest in a pair of flip-flops. I mean, it's just uh, an overwhelming, daunting, um, you know, scenario that's in front of us right now. Very frightening.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it is, when you think about... um, you know, the effect that it's going to have on everyone because it is a huge population that, as you said, is coming into adulthood. And, you know, this myth that autism is a, you know, children's, is, you know, <clears throat> um, only only children have it is just ridiculous. And, you know, people have to understand that these people need care. I mean, my host on my show... Um, Um, autism as they grow amalia star i mean that's really what uh, the show is about you know she talks about how these children will need care you know all the way through their lives it's so important and it's an incredible financial burden um you know that there's bankruptcy there's divorce i mean it's very very difficult and you know unfortunately most insurance plans don't cover autism, autism services i mean that's changing um but the naa you know you have the helping hand program so why don't you tell us what that is and how it helps families
1: Sure. Um, Well, we started the Helping Hand program several years ago because, um, you know, typically the treatments that um, we're doing for our kids are not covered by insurance. Um, Now, you know, insurance providers are being required more and more um, to cover um, what they call evidence-based treatment, like applied behavior analysis. And um, so if you live in a state that has uh, insurance, you know, for people that have autism, that's basically the extent of what it's going to cover. But what we've learned over the years and what we've witnessed in our own children is that there's a lot more going on here than um you know something that behavioral intervention alone can address, and we see a lot of underlying comorbid medical conditions that are affecting our kids um, so when you have a child with autism who's suffering from um, let's take uh, gastrointestinal disease because that's what we're seeing most often um, in our children, a lot of times when you try to, to get medical treatment or something like that, that is not covered uh, because of the autism diagnosis. So um, a lot of parents who are seeking medical treatment are not able to get insurance coverage. Um, and so the Helping Hand Program was designed to help provide funding for families who want to have um, maybe an initial consult done or some lab work done or some treatment uh, with a physician that would not be covered by medical insurance. And, um, you know, it's it's a great program. It's um, been extremely helpful for the families that we've been able to provide it to. I wish we had, you know, millions and millions of dollars for this because the need is endless and, you know, funding is just always, always a problem. There just couldn't possibly be enough. To help
0: all of the families that are in need. Right. And you know, I'm glad you did bring up the comorbid um issue because that is something that um you know you address on your website and it is so important because you rarely mm. find um you know, a child or an adult with um any you know level of autism that doesn't have um comorbid diagnoses. So it is really important. Um you know, as you said, you know, there's also epilepsy and autoimmune issues. There's just so many mm-hmm. other needs that they have that need medical attention. Um, you know, it was very interesting because I was looking uh, through your website and I know that one of the things that you discussed was oxidative stress and that you use supplements,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, um, you know, for some of these children. And, you know, I found it very interesting because I have a daughter who has severe fibromyalgia. Um, and I have another daughter who's um, PDD, and, you know, I'm finding that it's so closely related um, in many ways. I mean, you know, my daughter with the severe fibro, the only way to treat it is with a supplement regimen, um, and it has to do with the mitochondria. So, um, you know, it's just very, very interesting.
1: I think a lot of the chronic conditions, chronic health conditions that we're seeing in children, you know, autism aside, we have probably about half of the children in this country who have some kind of chronic illness and have to be on medication for it. And I think a lot of those things sort of coincide where, you know, you'll see similarities between kids who have an autism diagnosis or ADD or asthma or juvenile diabetes, um, food sensitivities, food allergies, a lot of these things are really overlapping. And, um, you know, when you address things like oxidative stress, or environmental exposures, or mitochondrial dysfunction, um, you know, a lot of times they can significantly improve with treatment. So, you know, supplement regimens can be huge, especially for kids with autism, Um, you know, in addition to other types of treatments that are just just addressing those underlying medical issues. And when you address those, even, even the gastrointestinal issues, what we see is a sometimes phenomenal improvement in the symptoms that we're calling quote autism right right, and you know
0: what what I like also is that when a parent is starting on this journey or any journey with a child with special needs, it is so isolating, um you know you're terrified, and um you know what your organization really does is it lets them know they're not alone, um mm-hmm. which is probably one of the most important things so um what Programs do you offer specifically for parents, um, you know, one-on-one? What what type of uh, programs do you offer and how can parents find them?
1: Well, we have, um, you know, chapters. We have about 22 chapters throughout the country right now where um, families can actually go to support group meetings and, um, you know, speak with our chapter leaders and, you know, attend a, a support group meeting or something like that we also have our national conference that we have every year. Um, the last several years we've been holding it in Florida, right on St. Pete Beach. And, um, you know, we try to create networking opportunities for parents because, you know, having been down the throat ourselves for so many years, what we've realized is that the single most helpful resource to all of us has been other parents
0: Absolutely. who have
1: experienced the same thing, other parents who – can give you advice, you know, they've been down the road a little bit longer than you and can say, um, you know, I live in the same area as you. These are, um, you know, the best service providers. This is the best way to get funding for what you need for your child. It always comes back to other parents. So the networking opportunities uh, between each other we feel is extremely important.
0: All right. And, you know, I I, I always say that it's very difficult for parents starting on the autism journey, um, you know, different from other disorders because there's such a lack of harmony um, within the community um, as to, you know, causation and treatment and everything else. And, you know, as I always say, everybody's opinions need to be respected. Um, Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, has to be, um, you know, treated with compassion. And, um, you know, one of the things that... um, I love about what you're doing is you are really bringing to attention to to everyone's attention um, the real problem of wandering and elopement and swimming, yeah. um, and you do that in many ways, one of which is the big red safety box. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is and what you're offering to parents?
1: I'm happy to. Um, actually, our organization has been very focused on safety issues for the last couple of years, and... The wandering issue, um, you know, first came to light with us, um, I think it was back in 2007, when we heard um, about this little boy in Pennsylvania, his name was Logan Mitchell and he um, walked out the front door, and it was middle of the winter, and um, his family didn't realize that he had gone out for a few minutes. And when they did, um, you know, they immediately started searching for him, and they were unable to find him. There were many searchers that came in. There was a three-day search that actually went on. And um, he was not found. He was um, he was actually found frozen to death in the woods near his home. And, um, you know, so Logan really inspired us to try to um, bring big attention to the issue of wandering because we had actually experienced that with our own children. And it may not be, you know, there are different types of wandering. So you may have a child who just decides that they want to um, go somewhere. You know, they may have the park in in mind or a neighbor's swimming pool in mind and they're just going to go. Or they may just walk out the door for really no apparent reason. Sometimes it's really hard to guess. Um, Sometimes kids are trying to escape sensory overload. They're overwhelmed. We had a child who died just over this weekend who was at um, a gathering, you know, a party, and um, wandered away from it, and and she drowned in a pond that was close by to the house that the party was at. So there are a lot of different um, types of scenarios where wandering or elopement or bolting can come into play, so there are different words that we used for that. But um, we wanted to address that, so we started by <clears throat> creating a program that we called FOUND, and we started providing funding for sheriff's departments, police departments, fire departments to uh, get Project Lifesaver equipment in their counties so that kids who were at risk of wandering would have a bracelet on that would emit um, a, a unique radio signal. And if that child were to go missing, um, they would be able to be quickly found. So we started that program and um, felt, you know, as as the time went by, we felt like you no, know, we needed to do more because that's something that's so expensive and it's limited to how many communities we could actually get funding into. So we wanted to put resources directly into the hands of parents um, on a broader basis. So we created um, the Big Red Safety Box, and um, originally we got we got some grant funding to get this started from the uh, Child Welfare Foundation. So we created. Um, basically this big red box, and we created a bunch of materials to go inside of it. So there are educational materials, um, printed materials, and um, door alarms, you know, sort of Mm battery-operated door alarms, um, shoe ID tags that can be put on the child's shoes. We feel like, you know, IDs are so important for our kids. Um, Visuals. We use stop signs that can be adhered to doors and windows or any possible escape route just to give a child a visual and maybe make them hesitate, you know, I'm not supposed to go there. Um, We created a a family wandering emergency plan form that can be um, printed and um, filled out where basically the family um, has all of the information that they could possibly need if their child went missing at their fingertips. And Fantastic. a plan in place so that if your child does go missing, you go through this checklist, you call 911, you have um, neighbors who you've talked to previously, and everybody has assigned places that they go and look. So it's really about preparing um, and also about response.
0: For being um, very proactive, yeah.
1: Right. So what we did was, you know, we were able to put this, this package of information <clears throat> all together um, you know, box it up and ship it at no charge to families who have a child who is at risk. So we've done that. that is incredible.
0: You know, it's just I'm, I'm so curious because it just seems to me that these children are drawn to water. Do Do you know anything about that? Like why, or if that's even the case?
1: Oh, absolutely. Most of the most of the deaths resulting from wandering are due to drowning, and uh, you know. My daughter, you know, she is obsessed with water, uh, you know, obsessed with water play. I mean, even in the house, she's she's wanting to play in the, in the tub or in the sink and, um, you know, just pour it, just pour water. I think, you know, the sensory aspect of being in the water is something that, you know, we all enjoy and possibly our kids a little bit more than others. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, they are very drawn to the water. And, um, you know, it can be challenging to teach a child that may have, you know, pretty significant cognitive impairment. how to swim. But it is is very possible. And recently we put a list up on our website of YMCA locations that offer special needs swimming classes. And um, we just feel like everybody needs to teach their kids to swim. And um, not only put them through lessons, but to make sure that the last lesson that the child has is with clothes and shoes on. Because that typically um you know they're typically direct when mm-hmm. they are um you know wandering into water, so um teaching kids can, to swim could be you know the difference between them surviving a wandering incident or not, and uh you know can't can't really stress the importance of that enough
0: absolutely and and as you said this is um you know you offer this free to um, all parents and parents should really take advantage of the big red safety box and, right um, well
1: well the the issue with that Marianne, is that it's only available when we have funding for it so these are mm-hmm. very expensive for us to put together and mm-hmm. um you know there's more information on the website about that but they you know they cost us about $35 each
0: mm-hmm. to
1: you know get all the materials um, put inside them have them put together and um, pay for the postage to have those shipped for free to families, So they're very expensive. So right. in the meantime, you know, when we're not, when we do not have funding to be actively distributing these, um, which by the way we're always trying to get funding for that. But when we don't, we have um, a website called aware.org. It's a w a a r e dot org. And this website we created um, solely to address the wandering issue. And everything that we include in those big red safety boxes, all of the printed materials and information can be found on that website, downloaded and printed um, you know, for free. The only thing that's missing there are the door alarms and the ID tags. And we do have links for places where you can go and buy those. They're relatively very inexpensive. So for families who have a child at risk, we recommend that they don't wait for a big red safety box to become available. Um, But go to aware.org and look through all of that information and download everything, print everything, and um, be as prepared as you possibly can. And
0: uh, Dynavox uh, Mayor Johnson encourages everyone to celebrate Autism Awareness Month with a donation to the National Autism Association. Mayor Johnson and your special education super sauce will match every donation dollar for dollar up to $10,000. So to make a donation, visit mayorjohnson.com. Again, that's mayor-johnson.com. And, um, you know, help this foundation, help families. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we close, I do want to talk about restraint and seclusion. This is a huge problem. Um, You have a video on your website Mm -hmm. that just... um, it, it really is. It's shocking when you watch it um, to think about the abuse that these innocent ch- children and teens face. So, can you tell us about um, restraint and seclusion and the S two zero two zero, which is the Keeping All Kids Safe bill, and uh, mm-hmm. what parents and more, even probably more importantly, educators need to know?
1: Well. This is a bill, um, you know, there's been legislation pending um, a few times on restraint and seclusion, mm-hmm. addressing this in schools. Um, what this equates to, you know, in my mind, is abuse that's happening in our schools and under the guise of, you know, treatment and providing a safe learning environment. That is absolutely not true. What they're causing here is post-traumatic stress disorder, and they're abusing children. Um, There have been plenty of studies that show that restraint and seclusion are not effective. Um, They should only be used in a life or death situation. And um, unfortunately, our schools are using those techniques rather freely. The reason for that is because there is no federal legislation that prohibits them from doing that. So it's really a state-by-state case. So the hope is that we will get um, national, you know, federal legislation to prevent schools from restraining our children or putting them into seclusion rooms um, where, you know, children have died. Many children have died. There was a recent GAO report um, on restraint and seclusion in schools, and it is terrifying um, the things that are happening. We just, we just got a story um, two weeks ago of a beautiful little boy um, who is about six years old, and he's forced to sit under a desk. It's almost like a dog kennel that they've got set up for him, and this is oh, where they make him God. go. Um, okay. So, I mean, really, you couldn't treat animals the way some of our exactly. children are treated in school. The problem Well, now, is, how do, how, what are parents'
0: rights? What are the parents' rights here as far as restraint and seclusion? Do parents have any say into what means can be used should their child um, be having an outburst?
1: Yes, the parents need to address this in their child's IEP. And we do have resources on our safety website. If you go to autismsafety.org, there are a number of tips um, and, you know, some advice there on how to address this in your child's IEP. Um, You know, hopefully we will get some federal legislation in place, but the things that you want to Um, you know, bring to light in your IEP meeting is, um, you know, my child is not to be restrained under any circumstances. My child is not to be put in a seclusion room under any circumstances. If there is an incident where my child is restrained, you are required to notify me, um, you know, that day. You know, you need to lay this stuff out. Unfortunately, it really falls on the parent. But this kind of stuff happens in our schools across the country every single day, kids are being abused and parents don't even know about it because there is no legislation in place every many of these the children are nonverbal you
0: right. a lot I of these children to... are nonverbal they can't tell you what's going on you know what is the hold up with the federal legislation because i mean this just seems to me that this is just um you know human compassion i mean this this, this is basic um human rights what is the hold up with the legislation on this it is the
1: education lobby they are extremely powerful in Washington. They do not want um, to have guidelines placed on them, federal guidelines placed on them. They want to continue to do whatever they want, um, regardless of what's evidence-based as effective interventions or not. They are fighting this and have been fighting it for years. And um, well, the honestly, powers and numbers
0: too. So, how do parents? Um, who do parents contact to try to um, get this legislation pushed through?
1: Well, right now parents can call their senators and ask their senators to co-sign or co-sponsor S-2020. And um, that is the Keeping All Students Safe Act. Okay. And, and push. You know, it's not honest, to be totally honest with you, it's not looking good right now, Marianne. It is not looking good. Nice. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well you know we're going we're definitely going to start um you know encouraging parents to uh reach out to their legislators because you know this has been going on a long time um, you know, I know we, we we did a show on this with the um, with the legislator from Missouri, and, um, you know, it's just mind-boggling what's going on, and the parents, you know, are either unaware or don't have, um, you know, whose rights are being violated. But, um, you know, I thank you so much. Your organization is very involved, really getting the message out. And, you know, I, I really thank you for what you're doing for parents that, um, you know, really need to know they're not alone in all of this. So please give us your website. i let parents know how they can get in touch with you.
1: Okay, our website is nationalautismassociation.org. And you also mentioned the Mayor Johnson donation match that's going on this month. I appreciate you mentioning that and our huge thanks to Mayor Johnson. Um, There is a link right from the homepage on our website, so if anybody would like to donate to help our programs like Helping Hands and the Big Red Safety Box, that would be much appreciated. And right now, thanks to Mayor Johnson, your donation will be doubled. So, um, you know, I hope everybody... And go and give a few dollars to these programs would really appreciate it.
0: Mm, they're, they're outstanding. Uh, Mayor Johnson is our advertiser for Autism Awareness Month, and we're very appreciative of them as well. So, um, Wendy, I thank you very much for joining us. Is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we sign off?
1: Just uh want to thank you, Marianne, for having me on and encourage everybody to please go to our website. We do have a brand-new website that was just unveiled last week. There are a lot of resources there. Um, A lot of
0: resources, yes.
1: Newly diagnosed families should go and take a look. People who have been on this road for a while, definitely go and take a look. And please pay special attention to the safety information that we have on our website. Um, It's really important. Our kids are dying in so many ways. The wandering issue, restraint, seclusion in school, bullying, you know, suicide. So we have a lot of resources available for families. Please take advantage of them.
0: Well, thank you. I thank you very much for joining us. I would like to announce that um, Wednesday night we have Alex Plank of Wrong Planet coming on. Um, I think most people know who Alex is. He's just phenomenal. And he's going to be coming on talking about um, relationships, love, um, when you're an ASPE. And it's something so important. It's important for people on the spectrum to listen to, and it's important for parents to listen to. So join us. That will be Wednesday night. Um, Chuck Wally will be hosting. And as I end each show, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent here at The Coffee Clatch. Visit us for our resources and all of our shows at www.thecoffeeclatch.com. Thank you for joining us today.